Hebrews chapter 9 and verses 24 through to verse 28 I want to draw your attention to tonight for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and as it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation tonight I want to consider with you the three appearings of Christ that are referred to in this text that you have just heard the three appearings of Christ now by appearing Paul means the visible presence of Christ the incarnate Son of God he's talking about his visible appearance you will notice at the end in verse 28 it says appear the second time and maybe you're asking well how can there be three appearings when it says then he'll appear the second time well as you look carefully at the text you see that there are in fact three appearings there are two appearings in this world two appearings in the earth a first and a second but there is also an appearing in heaven and that's mentioned in the text as well in verse 24 we have the heavenly appearance into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us and then in verse 26 we have the first earthly appearance now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and then in verse 28 it says he shall appear the second time that's the second earthly appearance without sin unto salvation so you can see that the apostle is carefully framing the text to make us think about these three appearings and that's what we want to do tonight we want to reflect on them and we are doing so chronologically in other words the first appearing which is Christ's life on earth ending in his death that's past that's history and then there's the second appearing that's when he appears in heaven in the presence of God that's his present appearing now and then there is the future appearing Christ returning again Christ leaving the heavenly sanctuary and actually appearing again to the people of earth 
to the people of the world. That's what we're waiting for. That is future. So we're following the order chronologically. And we're viewing each as Paul describes each in his words in this text. The first appearing then, first of all, verses 25 and 26. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as a high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Paul desires us to know that Christ has already appeared in the past. And whenever Christ appeared, that's when the way appeared. When the way was manifested. The way was truly seen when Christ appeared on the first occasion. And Jesus said, I am the way. He's talking about it. He appears, he says, I am the way. It's the appearing of Christ, the way. And that's what Paul is stressing. His appearing meant the manifestation of the way. Before that, they just saw the tabernacle worship and this high priest going in and out every year. Paul says in verse 8, what does he say there? The Holy Ghost this signifying. The priest going in and out every year, the Holy Spirit is signifying the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. And that's the verb appear. It hadn't appeared yet. It wasn't made manifest yet. The priest is going in, he's coming out. That's not the appearing of the way. That's just pointing to it. But Christ has appeared. And in his appearing, the way now has been manifested. This is what Paul is saying throughout this this chapter. And about this first appearing, if we think about the verses 25 and 26, Paul mentions very little concerning it. He does not mention the life of Christ at all. He does not mention how long he appeared for. We know it was 30 plus years. He doesn't mention any of that. The duration of his appearance. He doesn't mention his birth. All that he refers to is his death. Once in the end of the world he's appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. It's just as if he's come and he's died. That's all he focuses on. Now he's not denying that he lived for 30 years and there was a lot of other things happened besides. But he's telling us the most important thing about his appearing. And what his appearing was all about in the main. So he's emphasizing the death of Christ. The sacrifice of Christ. We know that he appeared in in Bethlehem. That's where it started. But it actually started in Mary's womb in Nazareth. As her tummy began to swell over the course of nine months. He appeared in a virgin's womb. He appeared while in Bethlehem to Mary and to Joseph and to the shepherds and to the angels and to the wise men and to others. And throughout life there is this manifestation of of Christ to all eyes. Visible. That's how long it lasted, 30 plus years. They're all important years. But as I said, Paul is dealing with the essence of the matter. 
his death. He came to die. He came to make the way. He came to offer himself a sacrifice for sin. That's the substance. And that's the main message of the gospel. That's why Paul said we preach Christ crucified. It's not that he didn't mention the incarnation. It's not that he didn't mention these other things. But it was always the emphasis on the cross. And that's what you have in the Gospels. In fact, there are two of the Gospels. They don't even mention the birth of Christ. They don't mention his visible appearance, how it commenced. Only Matthew and Luke do. But Mark and John, they don't mention that at all. But they all mention the cross. And they give chapters and chapters to that. Because that's the main thing. That's the important thing. That's why he was incarnate. That's why he appeared. To give himself a sacrifice for sins. And so Paul in this epistle, he's dealing with the very heart of the gospel. You remember how he said to the Corinthians, I delivered unto you first of all, this was the primary thing, this was the main thing, I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died. For our sins. That was always the main message of the early gospel preachers. Of that appearing Paul tells us a few things. And we must observe the words carefully. Verse 26. But now once in the end of the world he hath appeared. Paul says he appeared once. He only came as a man in the flesh amongst us once. Now there were theophanies in the Old Testament. There were manifestations of the Son of God in other ways. But he only appeared in true human flesh once. When he was born into the world. When he lived among us as a man in the world. And when he died for us. Once. Not multiple visits. Not going to heaven and coming out of it again and coming back again. Not like that high priest. Going in and out, going in and out. No, once. Once he was outside the tabernacle, the holy place in his flesh. Only once. You remember how Jesus said, I came down from heaven. Not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Just once. I came down from heaven. Once. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. He said. So he came down from heaven as true man and he can only live on the earth once. I mean, that's true of, it, of us all, isn't it? It's appointed unto man once to die. You only have one life. You only have one death, that's all. You don't get a second death in this world. You get one chance to live, you get one chance to die. And it was the same with Jesus Christ. When he was born of a virgin, he got one chance, one opportunity to live for us. And he got one opportunity to die for us. Only once. And he has to get it right. The thing about it is we all get it wrong. We all waste our life in some way or other. We don't live to the maximum glory of God the way we ought. We waste our life. But not Christ. One life, one appearing. He got it perfectly right. He perfectly glorified his father. His one death was the one that wrought our salvation. He got it perfectly right. He only got one go at it. Our dear Lord. 
and he done it all right. And he was able to say it's finished. As a true man, he lived on the earth once. And Paul goes on to say, it's appointed unto men once to die, verse 27. So this is what he means. The second thing that Paul says is that this appearing once was at the end of the world. He doesn't say it was at the beginning of the world and there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years to go yet. No, he says he appeared once and it was at the end. That's something to think about. That doesn't mean that at the first coming the world ceased. No, no, it doesn't mean that. You'll notice in this text here that the word world occurs twice in verse 26. Then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. So he talks about the foundation of the world And then he says, now once in the end of the world hath he appeared. The word world there is not the same word. The first word is the cosmos, the created world, the foundation of the cosmos, the foundation of the world. But the second word is a different word, and it's in the plural. Now once at the end of the ages he's appeared. You see, there's one cosmos, its foundation, its creation, its beginning, But on this world, there are different ages, thousands of years. The age before the flood, the age after the flood, until the time of the going away into Babylon, the the years after that until Christ come. And whenever Christ appeared, that's the last age. Now, we don't know how long the last age will be. It's already gone for 2,000 years. But there's not really much more to happen. He appeared at the end of the world over thousands of years, Thousands of years before he come. The Lord was in no rush to send him. When the fullness of time was come, he sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. And whenever that was, it was the end of the ages. It's coming to the close. We're in the last days. We're in the latter days that the prophets have spoken about. In the Old Testament scriptures, you remember how they so often says, in the latter days, in the last days. We're in those days now. We're not waiting for them to come. We're in them now. The end of the world. The end of the ages. The last days. And that's when Christ appeared. That's when God put it in the calendar. So we're really in the last age now. In the fullness of times. And Christ has come. And the little space that goes on now will bring us up to the end. And then the third thing that Paul says about this appearing is its purpose. Its main primary purpose. What do you have away there in verse 26? He's appeared now once in the end of the world to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Do you see what his purpose was in appearing? Why did the Lord appear? Well, people say he appeared to teach us. He appeared to give us the Sermon on the Mount. He appeared to give us this lovely way that we should live. No, that's that's not the main reason. He appeared, and this is it, to put away sin. To deal with sin. To put it away far. Sin cannot be put away except Christ appears. And he appeared to put away sin, to to move it as far as the east is from the west. To put it away behind God's back. To put it into the region of even divine forgetfulness. Only Christ could do that. He appeared to do that. 
to put it away. Do you remember how David said, Oh, I've sinned. And Nathan said, The Lord hath put away your sin. And it's only truly done when Christ appears. Even the sins under the old covenant. It's only Christ that puts them away. They were put away on the virtue of the covenant promise to David. But they are not actually put away until Christ dies. And sometimes David prayed, Lord, take away my sin. Take away my iniquity. This is how. Maybe you wonder, how am I going to get my sins taken away? How can I get this burden of sin away from me? Christ has appeared to take it away, to put it away. There's nothing else. This is, this is God's way. You remember John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away. He puts away the sin of the world. It's only him. There he is. He's appeared. He's manifested. That's him. That's why he's come. And this is what Paul is saying. Appeared. To put away the sin of the world. And how he does this, the apostle tells us. He's going to leave us in no doubt about that. Put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. By his cross, by his blood, by his death. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Verse 28 says. This is how he does it. He appeared to be once offered to bear the sins of many. There's no other way. Who offered him? He appeared to be offered. But who offered him? He offered himself. Verse 26. By the sacrifice of himself. And this is a sacrifice once for all. Non-repeatable. He doesn't come back again to do it again a second time. He doesn't offer himself often as those high priests had to. He doesn't suffer often as those as those high priests prefigure that suffering in the bloodshedding. No, one appearing, one death, one sacrifice, one atonement, one shedding of blood, one finished work. The first appearing. All done then. All completed then. And that's what the apostle means whenever he talks about such things as the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Well, how has it appeared? In Christ, in his first coming. You see, whenever you think about Christ's first coming and you read about him in the Gospels, what are you looking at? You're looking at the appearing of the very grace of God. The very mercy of God visiting us, coming to us, manifesting itself among us. The grace and mercy of God has appeared unto all men. Paul uses this language quite often. Remember how he said, The kindness and love of God, our Saviour toward man, appeared. He loves to talk about the first appearing. And sometimes he talks about it as the appearance of grace, the appearance of salvation, the appearance of kindness and mercy. But he's, he's, he's thinking about Christ. And every time you read the Gospels and you read the life of Christ, you think about that. This is the appearance of kindness. What is God like? He's kindness. What is God like? He's, he's merciful. And when Christ appears, 
you have the appearance of all of that. You see God, what he really is, in the face of Jesus Christ, in that appearing. And that's all we're to look at, as I said this morning. We want to pray, we want to poke, we want to go deeper into the divine essence, but we can't. We have to behold it in the face of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. He's the appearing. And so the, the first appearing then. But then the second appearing is referred to in verse 24. Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. We, we spoke about this in previous weeks as we worked our way through this chapter. Paul repeats a lot of these concepts again and again. And he's not entered into the figures, the tabernacle itself, but he's entered into heaven itself. And then he brings in this word appear again. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. So Christ has made an entrance into the heavenly sanctuary. He's entered into heaven. This is the very same Christ as the first appearing on earth. That Christ who died, he was raised again. His humanity was glorified, but he was still visible and he ascended into heaven. And he appeared there in heaven. His first appearance in heaven. And it was an appearance. This is the second appearing, but the first in heaven. You said, did not Christ come from heaven? Yes, he did. As the Son of God, he was incarnate. He took flesh. But he was never visible before in heaven. Before he came. He came, he took the flesh on earth in the womb of a virgin. He was born man on a new side in heaven when he ascends. The visible God man. He appeared. Angels never saw that before. Seen of angels. He's visible in glory. He has an appearing there. The appearing of the God-man. His flesh and blood did not come from heaven, but they went back to heaven in his glorified humanity. So the Son of God appears in heaven. And they actually see a man in glory. It's amazing to the angels. They see a man on the throne of God. They see one in our nature. It's amazing to them. And they worship him. Because God says, worship him all ye angels. This ascension took place, as we know, the Bible tells us about it. He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. He said, I came from my Father and I'm come into the world. And he says again, I leave the world and I go on to my Father. And he brings his humanity with him. It's wonderful. And that's necessary for us. To have a man in the glory. To have one appearing in the glory. Notice how Paul says now. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. This is a present appearing. What's Christ doing now? He's appearing in glory. That's what he's doing. He's manifesting his visibility. It's not just past. 
and done, it's past and continuing, presently and ongoing. He's appearing. He's showing his hands and his feet. He's showing the proofs of his sacrifice. He's visible to the angels. He's visible to the glorified saints. He's visible to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. He appears. There he is. And it's not just that he's in heaven and is seen. He's there to be seen. That's the thing. He's there to be manifested. He's there to appear for us. He's there for that very reason of manifestation. This is what the apostle is teaching. To be seen. His visibility is part of his heavenly ministry. This very visible Christ is part of that heavenly work. He just appears. He died unto sin once, but he liveth unto God. We're told there that he appears for us. We, we have to remember that, people of God. Think about that. He's appearing for you. I mean, he didn't have to leave glory at all. But he took flesh, he died, he made the once for all offering, he went back to heaven for us, and he appears for us. It's not just that he's getting glory, he has glory. It's not just about the glory, he has the glory for us, for us. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, Paul said in chapter 6. He's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You see, this is what his appearing is doing. He's appearing for his people. His people sin, and there he appears. I've died for them. I've made atonement for them. I've shed the blood for them. I intercede for them. It's not that he's uttering verbal words necessarily. He's just appearing. The Father just sees him. And we're accepted in him. We're behind him. We're in him. My little children, you shouldn't sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have one who appears for us. We have one who's there for us in the glory. Isn't this wonderful? All my sins, my sins. Christ has died for your sins and he's in the glory for you. For us. For us. Very quickly we move on to the last one here then. The next appearing referred to is described in the last verse, verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Again, that's the first appearing. He bore the sins of many, but unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation so th this is the future appearing this is the last appearing the second appearing in the world but the third appearing in the life of Christ that's future that's ahead of us you remember how Peter said when the chief shepherd shall appear the apostles always use this language. He's coming back again. It's a visible appearing. 
It's the visible, physical coming of his glorified humanity. He's going to be seen. He's going to appear. You remember how John said, little children abide in him, that whenever he appears, you'll not be ashamed. And when he appears, we'll see him and we'll be like him. There's this appearing. It's future. The second coming. The second appearing on earth. And that is sometimes referred to as his appearing. You remember how Paul said to Timothy, keep this commandment without spot, keep it unrebukable until the appearing of Jesus Christ. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. You see how often they're talking about it, this appearing? Paul said to Titus, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour Jesus Christ. Who is that one who's going to appear? It's the great God. It's a glorious appearing. It's God appearing in flesh. The great God and our Saviour. Jesus Christ. Peter said, Your faith will be tried with fire, but it's tried with fire that it may be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So we are to live in the light of that appearing and think about that appearing often. The Bible says every eye will see him. All the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. So it's an appearing. But it's very unlike the first appearing. And Paul stresses that because he says here he'll appear the second time without sin. It's not an appearing with sin this time. You see, the first time he appeared with sin, not his own sin, he bears our sin. He appears the first time as the sin bearer, carrying the burden of sin, the Lamb of God which birthed the sin of the world. He's coming as a sin bearer, he's coming as a substitute. He's coming as a sacrifice. He's coming to put away sin. He's coming to deal with sin. But the second time he comes back again, there's none of that. He appears without sin, without any relationship to sin whatsoever. He's done with all of that at his first appearing. But now he appears the second time about the salvation matter, about the new heavens and the new earth and the eternal life with his people forever and ever. He appears not in humiliation, not in suffering and shame and agony. No, he is received into the heavens until the time of the restitution of all things. The time whenever God's going to restore everything. The time whenever God's going to bring in the new heavens and the new earth at the end. Christ is there appearing until that time. And when that time of the restitution of all things comes, he's going to appear with this great eternal everlasting salvation for his people at the end. The time of the end, the new heavens and the new earth. So it's not an appearing to remove sin. That has been done. It's a time to restore the world to a new and glorious restoration and so salvation is in its culmination then at his death he obtains salvation at his second appearing he brings in its 
fairness to his blood-bought people. He has the whole package when he comes back again. On to salvation. So the second brings it. The first obtains it, purchases it. And this is not a universal salvation. Because what does the text say there in the verse? Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. It's not for everybody, it's not universal, but it's to those who are looking for him, who are waiting for him, who are trusting in him for all of this matter. This is the faithful, this is the believing. And so whenever the Lord comes back again, they're not running to the mountains and saying, fall on us and hide on us. No, they're saying, this is him, this is our God. No, we've waited for him. This is our salvation. He will save us. We've waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Doesn't Paul say that we have the first fruits of the Spirit? And we groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, waiting for the redemption of the body, waiting for the restitution of all things to them that are waiting, to them that are looking for his appearance. And so the apostle is saying to believers, you keep looking to Jesus. Don't be going back. Don't be going back to the visible high priest, going in and out, going in and out there. No, you keep looking to Jesus. He'll come out again soon enough. He'll come out again at the time of his second appearing. At the end, you look for that. You look for the high priest in glory coming out. At the end of the world, keep looking for that. Keep your eyes on that. This is what the apostle is saying in the context of these these converted Hebrews. Keep on believing. Don't go back. What is there to go back to? Go boldly to the throne of grace. Go right into the heavenly itself at God's throne of grace where your great high priest is appearing in the presence of God. And that's where he is. He's right in the presence of the Father. He's so close to the throne at his right hand. So don't worry about all this ritual, all the old, all the ceremony. Don't worry about that. And so for unbelievers, and especially unbelieving Jews, the apostle is saying to them, Christ is the fulfillment. You see, Israel hasn't had the temple for 2,000 years. It hasn't seen a priest coming in and out for 2,000 years. God took it all away. And they must really ask questions about God. And why he has done that? Why has God not let us have a temple for 2,000 years? Why do we not have a high priest in Jerusalem and all those nice clothes that he's wearing for 2,000 years? Why has God taken that away? Why are we exposed? Why do we go through the Holocaust? Why do we go through all of this? Where is our God? The Jews ought to be saying. The answer is, you need to come to Jesus Christ. The fulfillment. Do you not see you're rejecting Christ, God's Messiah? Do you not see he was wounded for your transgressions? He was bruised for your iniquities. 
Do you not see who you are despising? Will you not believe? Will you not come to Christ? Will you not look to that heavenly sanctuary where the true high priest is appearing in the very presence of God? If only the Jews could see that. Let us pray that they will see that. But you see that. Let us pray.